Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. It's a beautiful What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Michael Jr. That is me. With me, as always, super producer Brandon Newman, Jeremy out in the desert, and my father, Mike Golick Sr. Dad, how we feeling? We made it to Friday. We made it to Friday, and we had football. Listen, we had football. We got to talk and, 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 and listen to the uh, incoming class of Hall of Famers, which was very cool as well. It's always That's always a great scene. While the game is a preseason game, and obviously we'll get into on – you know, just who did what. Uh, it's still amazing. Is more talk about Aaron Rodgers I hear all over the place, and he didn't play a down. I, I'd like to actually talk about some of the things that went on on the field uh, as well. And then I, I think what was a shocker to all of us, right, I mean, was DeMarcus Ware all of a sudden walking Man. out and singing the National Anthem, being inducted into the Hall of Fame and singing the National Anthem. I have no, I'd never heard him sing before. I didn't know he could. And the story behind it is a very cool story, but takes a lot of guts to stand up there all alone, just belt out that song. It was the biggest moment, I think, of the night, right? Like, there were a lot of fun moments from the game there. I appreciated Zach Wilson inserting Aaron Rodgers into the conversation yeah. by saying that he was the one that apparently called the one throw from Zach Wilson. Like, there was one big throw from Zach Wilson in this game where everyone could go, all right, he's back. And Zach yeah. Wilson immediately gives Aaron Rodgers the credit, saying that he fed that to Nathaniel Hackett on the sideline, and they called it. So, yeah, even when he's not on the field, Aaron Rodgers dominating headlines, getting some screen time during the show. I appreciated Dad, Zach Thomas. You mentioned the Hall of Famers chatting up there. Zach Thomas tearing up basically the entire time. Yeah. That would 100% be me. If somehow, in a different life, I had turned into a Hall of Fame NFL player, be crying left and right at everything that comes up, especially for him. I mean, you heard the stories about his house burning down as a kid. He got hit, run over by a car. He had been through the ringer and come out on the other side. So you can understand why he's crying. Dad, I don't like what would would you have been a crier? You've never been a crier my whole life. Would this be the thing that would have drawn it out of you? Uh, it's possible, especially when I talked about family, because that's that's the thing about this. They're they're not crying when they're talking about their career on the field, right? I mean, and this is the best part of the inductions, which I believe are going to be Saturday. The 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 best part of it to me is the story. Right. It's not, we see their stats. I mean, Zach Thomas, one of the toughest players to play in the game. What was he, fifth all time in the NFL? 
uh, in tackles. Downhill linebacker, he's going to smoke you when he gets the chance. But it's the story that I love, the background story. Who was the motivation? What hardships did you go through? Who did you lean on? Who did you go to? Who was the support staff when you were younger? That, to me, are the stories. Now, I've become more emotional the older I've gotten, the older you guys have gotten, starting to have grandkids. So, you know, you know, uh, Zach Thomas isn't, isn't anywhere near as old as I am. So I think if I would have got emotional, it would have been talking about the family, you guys, the upbringing, what got me to that point. Because that, to me, is where you get emotional because this is all things that people did for you to help you get to where you were. It's never alone travel. It's never, I did this all on my own and got no help from anybody. Most people got help from somebody or some group of people. And to me, that's, that's the best story that just shows you all these players started in Little League football like we all did. You know, we all took the same path. Like anything else, you know, you, 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 it goes different on the path once you, once you keep going and, and how good you become in something. But I just love the stories. I can't wait to hear Zach Thomas's speech. You know he's going to cry again. Uh, he's the crier of the group. There's no doubt about it. But in the broadcast, they did talk about, you know, that luncheon and that dinner that we had talked about. Mike Tirico had hosted it as well. And just how cool, just how cool the weekend is. The families that get to go see their loved one go in the Hall of Fame and the group that's already wearing the gold jackets embracing a new group of players coming into that into that hall. It is uh, an incredible start to an incredible weekend. We have a start to an incredible show here. As always, download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us that five-star rating. Check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel, DraftKingsNetwork.com. We have got, I think, the final stanza of the conference realignment cycle (laughs) as the Pac-12 having their chancellors and presidents meeting right now as we're recording this podcast to potentially keep the band together. We have got to look at that. We've got some actual hopeful on-the-field college football conversation that could get interesting, as well as the most important business we'll handle this Friday, which is a review of a ranking of the top fast food restaurants in this country. Dad and I have reviewed the list of one of our friends over at VEASAN. We're going to give you ours on this and give you all the nitty-gritty on that. But, Dad... Let's not bury the lead any longer. You mentioned it. DeMarcus Ware getting up and singing blew everyone's minds last night. And it was the roller coaster emotion of reaction to this because none of us were expecting it. I was not expecting the many hand motions that came with him going up there and singing. And I was not expecting to have to go and defend what I thought was a pretty solid vocal performance from DeMarcus Ware. Like, and yeah, so first off, you, as a former NFL defensive lineman, who is also a pretty accomplished amateur singer here, what was your grade for DeMarcus Ware overall on this performance? So, you know, there's the execution of the actual singing of it. He's not going to win any singing contests, right? It was good. It wasn't great. But as I said, it's, and he even talked about it after, he was more nervous than this for this than anything because this isn't his bailiwick. It's not what he does. It's not going on the field and hitting somebody. So, you know, it, 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 as far as the effort for it and the reasoning why, it's an A for sure. But as far as the execution, you're probably looking at, what, like a B- minus or a C plus. I mean, it was, it was good. It was fine. But you put everything together in it. And I, I would never say a bad word about it. The man stood up there and did something he's never done before. He gave us the reasons for why he did it. And as we all know, we've all sat through, or stood, I should say, uh, a lot of national anthems and sing along with them. But now all of a sudden, you're standing up there alone. It would be amazing to me, and we had talked about this last night, of how many people would actually know all the words. We sit there and we sing along, but it's easy when everybody's singing it, right? When you're singing to a song on the radio, you kind of know all the words, but you know the person singing on the radio knows all the words and you're kind of right with them. Now it's just on you. You know, and, and whether that maybe they have it on the on the screen out there so people can sing along, that helps you. But I, I would I would be I, I really wonder how many people if they were left to sing it on their own, no accompaniment, no help, if you knew all the words, you could sing it straight through. 
and in that moment, you're right. This is sort of like the rookie talent show for the nation yeah. here. Instead of getting up yes. and singing Motown yes. in the cafeteria, you're getting ready to join the Hall of Fame by singing this to the nation. Um, by the way, put this on the poll, Brandon. Did anyone else have to look up Bailiwick? That my dad just threw out there casually. I don't feel like that's a word that made it into the millennial lexicon. So I uh, had to Google that one in my spare time. <laughs> well executed by dad. Thank you. But I want to get to I want to get to the story behind this from Demarcus Ware, who joined Michael Smith on his podcast. Uh, leading up to this event, and talked about the why for actually wanting to get up and do this in front of the congregation. I didn't know you could sing. Now, Demarcus, I gotta know: can you sing or can you sing? I'm singing right now, but I'ma sing the national anthem. This is a platform again that God put in your life for a reason. And I started thinking of why you wanted to do it. And you know, no one knows this, but I remember me and Demarius Thomas. We used to sing all the time. We sing Bob Marley music. We're singing the national anthem on silent. We're doing all those things. But now I know he's going to be there in the stands with me. That means something to me. There's not a mistake that can be made. There's only a feeling that I want everybody to feel when I'm singing this song, knowing that it's a reason bigger than a criticism. So again, that was from Michael Smith's podcast, My Main Man. And I hope all you jerks that were ever critical out there of DeMarcus yeah. Ware feel bad yeah. about yourselves now because that is freaking adorable and an incredible story. And DeMarcus Ware should only be law. Because first off, I thought he did a good enough job anyway. Yes. I'd have given that performance a solid B. Great hand yes. motion. You just gave it a C. You just gave well, it a C. I said, Don't go back I now. said I said B minus C plus. So I'll I'll lean to the B minus in the B family then, okay? I'll go down that road as well. Cause 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 I, I I'm with you. I mean, you can't criticize that. It was certainly good enough to be sung publicly, right? Without question, it was good enough to be sung publicly. He's not a singer, so he did, nobody expected, you know, the Whitney Houston national anthem, you know. Um but it was absolutely passable, no doubt about it. And then you hear the story. So anybody that was immediately criticized him and then heard that story, man, you know, you got to get knocked down a peg because that's just a great story. And the man that's just going out there and doing it for a reason. But I really wonder if you, anybody listening, watching, seeing this later in the podcast, whatever, just, just with no, now he did have a piano next to him. I get it. But if he, you just start singing the national anthem, can you sing it the whole way through? And how would you sound? Because I immediately, when he started singing, started thinking of the possible high note toward the end of how was yes. he going to hit that, right? How how was he going to do that? And he handled it incredibly well. So, I, you know, as I keep talking about it, I keep going to raising his grade. And I and I feel bad now I said a C plus. He is without question in the B family here. I, I, I'm in agreement with you. The Stugats is so... Brandon, how do you feel about this? Pretty critical of how well former D linemen sing. Because uh, I used to sing a lot on, on this, that, and the third. And every time your dad was on, he had, he, had, he had something fresh to say. He always had something fresh to say. And, you know, he's a, he's a harsh judge because he can sing as well. So I'll, I'll give him that. Well, That's DeMarcus, let me wondering. just say. Yeah, DeMarcus Ware has a much better voice than you, Brandon. Sorry to say. You try, you give it an effort, but DeMarcus sings better. Sorry. Uh, this is what it all came back to. My father, jealous that DeMarcus Ware gets to have the gold jacket and the golden voice. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So, wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold.
And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Uh, so, Dan, I feel like that got away from us a little bit, and I realized we didn't talk any about the actual game, which I understand. This is a sickos game. Yeah. Preseason one, like the very first rattle out of the box, the lights went out in the fourth quarter. It was a whole hot mess. The Cleveland Browns won 21 to 16, which means the over hits and the Browns hit the team total and anyone that had Jets minus one and a half feeling a little bad right now. But besides those dead preseason games, I don't know how you watch them. I'm, you know, there's the couple players we talked about looking to see guys who were supposed to maybe step up, Makai Becton being one of them. We talked about limped off quickly for a little bit and was able to come back on last night. Stuff like that, but I always love seeing a young guy that ends up popping. And this game, in my mind, had one clear winner in that regard. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, man. DTR out of UCLA got to go in there, so he was the... Technically the third or fourth quarterback on the depth chart right now. I think Dobbs is the backup here. Kellen Mond got the start last night in this game and then gave way to DTR. And Kellen Mond's probably looking over his shoulder right now because based on what we saw, Dad, the number one rule for young guys in camps is you're trying to earn more reps. Every time you hit the field, whether it's in practice or in one of these preseason games, you're trying to give coaches a reason to go ahead and spin you out there more. And DTR finished 8 of 11 for 82 yards and a touchdown, but also 6 carries for 36 yards and just made the plays that sort of made you sit up out of your seat even in the second half of a freaking preseason game. Very smooth. Uh, very, very smooth. Listen, Kellen Mond is trying here. He started out with the Vikings. I actually called a couple of years ago a game he started against the Packers, and it did not go too well. Didn't play at all in Cleveland uh, last year. And and he listen, he went 13-19 for 92 yards, but the ball was basically going sideways. He wasn't throwing the ball downfield a whole lot. Now, whether that was the way it was supposed to be executed or he was checking down, whatever it was, there just wasn't a lot of ball flight where uh, DTR, you know, put it down the field a little more. It was a nice touchdown pass that he threw, good accuracy on that. He ran six times for 36 yards. One of those runs was fantastic. Going to the sideline, beat the linebacker and stayed in bounds and kind of tiptoed down the sideline for some extra yards. He just, you know what, Mike, I have to admit, he looked comfortable out there. Now, People are going to say he played against, you know, backups, blah, blah, blah. Don't care. I, I I throw all of that out, and really I kind of throw stats out, but I know we mentioned the stats, but to me the more important thing about the quarterbacks were where were they throwing the ball and how was it thrown accuracy-wise and was it going downfield more. He, just, he definitely had command, and you're right, he's going to earn more reps because of that, and you're exactly right. That's what you do if you're not a high pick, a high priority, where you know you're going to get your reps, is you have to earn those reps, and I absolutely think he did. As far as like high picks, you look at one of the Jets' first-rounders and Will McDonald, tall kid with about a 240 Buddy. pounds. You know, and forget the first play when he first went in, nobody blocked him. You know, it was one of those where right. motion went away and it was supposed to be a half roll. And he, he, to his credit, he didn't go flying down the line and give up, you know, uh, contain. He stayed and, and, and put pressure on the quarterback. But I thought he did a nice job. Even in the run, I know it was against tight ends. I thought he locked out well, kept position, come out, coming off to make a tackle. So that's what I look for is not how, not, not, what you do, but how you're doing it. How comfortable do you look? Are you where you're supposed to be? Are you using your hands? How are your feet going? I was really interested in what Becton was going to do. And again, he, he even said he pulled himself off the field. Uh, and, and even Robert Sala even said, well, maybe it's his confidence right now in his knee. And Becton kind of fought that off. But there is something to that. There is the part, and I've talked about this, where the doctor can say you're fine, but you have to go out there and mentally jump that hurdle because they need that offensive line to be good uh, behind Aaron Rodgers right now. And at this point, a seemingly deep running back room. We still don't know about Dalvin Cook. Big thing, and you expect this, 22 penalties in this game, right? I think oh, 10 so for one gross. team, 12 for – it, it was, was just so gross. But, 
But you expect that, right? That's the expectation. And a lot of it was alignment. You're lining up in the neutral zone. The offensive alignment, you know, not covering up a tight end or just alignment problems, let alone, you know, physical penalties, holding or interference or whatever. So that was par for the course. But I do enjoy watching these games, especially for the players that you're not counting on to see how they do to just as you said, and you are correct, it's earning more reps when the next practice hits. Well, and for because listen, I, I I definitely skew more of the college football side of Twitter, and so it's a lot like being a parent dropping your kid off for the first day of school in the NFL preseason. For those of us on the college football side, we want to make sure our kids are doing right, that people are nice to them, that people appreciate them, that they're set up well for the future. Because listen, we know DTR is not going to be the starter there. Right. We know that's right. not going to happen. He might be competing for a backup role, maybe on the practice squad, show for somebody else. But we just want to see people like our thing. And Dorian Thompson-Robinson, man, the college experience was all over the map. You got a little bit of everything with a dude that was basically at UCLA for six years. And so with that, just seeing everyone realize how much fun a guy that we all enjoyed watching on Saturdays was, that warmed my heart. Like you said, Will McDonald's going to be a stud because he was a stud at Iowa State. It's just this last year nobody knew or cared because Iowa State was terrible. So, yeah, it was big first day of school. Parents watching, turning around as our kids run towards their friends, hoping they don't get made fun of, hoping we don't see them sitting at the lunch table alone right at the start of the day, so I got to worry all the time. I felt good. The kids are all right after this. The kids are very much all right. Yeah, listen, this and this was the game because remember there's three preseason preseason games, but this was the extra games. There was a lot of guys on both teams starters that didn't play. So, this was probably a game where most of the back end of the roster or guys that'll eventually get cut were probably going to get the most playing time. Maybe this one and maybe that last preseason game as well when the starters are all going to sit. So, and, and and remember they'll get that last preseason game, right? Because it changed this year, correct? To the to the cut is until the final cut. It used to pair down from the 90. Now you go from 90 to 53. So guys are going to get more chances. That was the one thing that was a bummer when you were in Pittsburgh and whoever that, I forget his name, the old line coach didn't play a lot of you guys, which is just, which is a complete sin in preseason. Every player should get time on tape uh, to show what they could do. And now because the cut, the 90 to 53, it's just one cut now, players are hopefully going to get more chances. Again, as I said, especially in that first and then last preseason game. Yeah, um, it uh, that one's going to be pretty interesting. And, you know, expanded practice squads right now. There's good right. opportunities, even in a league where we know without two-a-days, as every old-timer has reminded me, it's fewer reps for you to go out there and do that, and you're soft, and, you know, you're not playing the same brand of football that we played, <laughs> and you're not nearly as tough as us. Am I missing I anything from the Rolodex of stuff that you've thrown at me since day one of that? I didn't, I didn't say it! The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans will feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, before we get to a little uh, on-field college football and uh, very important fast food debate, Brandon made a good point when we were off air that 
we are now at a point where we've got football every week until February, which means it is increasingly harder for other sports to make me care enough to say anything about them and that the bar is now raised so much. And I feel like we have something that meets that. And so I want to call this from henceforth the Tungsten O'Doyle stat of the day, the Tungsten Arm O'Doyle stat of the day. For anyone unfamiliar with the tweet that's become one of the most prophetic forces in my life, Matt Omick said in 2021, every time I see an Angels highlight, it's like this. Mike Trout hit three home runs and raised his average to 528, while Shohei Itani did something that hasn't been done since Tungsten Armo Doyle of the 1921 Akron Groomsmen as the Tigers defeat the Angels 8-3. Basically reminding us all that the Angels have managed to squander what has been two incredible Hall of Fame-worthy yep. players and managed to win nothing with them. It prompted our bud Jared Carabas to come on yesterday and say that them trying to hold on to Shohei Itani was a massive mistake. And here is already the return on that investment, Dad. Last night, the Angels played the Mariners. And I saw this stat from Sarah Langs over at ESPN. Shohei Itani became the first player with a home run and a stolen base in a game that he started on the mound since Mudcat Grant on May 7th yeah. in 1964. Dad, the Angels went on to give up a grand slam in the ninth inning and lose that game 5-3 to the Mariners and drop their third straight. I mean, I I don't even know what to say and what we're going to talk about with the Angels over the years of having two Hall of Fame players and never being able to do anything about it. It's just amazing to me. And they hold hang on, as we said, to Shoei Otani. Still four games out of the wild card, have to jump four teams to get there. And then the possibility of losing him for nothing. They don't re-sign him and he is a free agent, which just would be incredible. But the greatest thing about this, and I remember we used to do this with our show at ESPN, is when we talked about records or players back in the day in baseball, the nicknames are the best, right? They're, They're the absolute best. And this one's not, you know, 1964. Now, again, I was two years old then, but Mudcat Grant. But names going back into the early 1900s, the nicknames of the teams and or the players was absolutely the best. Uh, That's my favorite part of this is when I look up and go search to find the Tungsten Armo Doyle tweet, I find articles that have to explain to people that Tungsten Armo Doyle is actually not a real person because in the land of baseball, that sounds like a slow Tuesday for anyone that played before the year 1960. So it is uh, incredible what they managed to muster up there. It is uh, the way baseball is going to continue to break into this podcast through the Tungsten Armo Doyle Shohei Itani (laughs) stat of the day. Um, Dad, we've had a wild morning off the field in college football, and I feel like we have all hit the stage. This was how I felt towards the end of the deflate gate drama with the will they, won't they for the suspension with Tom Brady and PSIs on footballs is just wake me up when it's over. Because waking up this morning, I saw reports from Pete Thamel over at ESPN, from Nicole Arbach over at The Athletic, Ross Dellinger and company, that apparently... The Pac-12 chancellors and presidents are getting together today to potentially sign a grant of rights as they have had the new media deal talked about to them. This all the while we went to bed with reports that Arizona was getting ready to bolt for the Big 12, that apparently Oregon and Washington the Big 10 was gaining steam, and now we wake up this morning and everything is pointing the opposite direction. Everything pointing in the direction of, well, Oregon and Washington to the Big Ten has lost momentum. Who knows what the drivers behind that are? Is Maybe Arizona actually could be coaxed back in if Oregon and Washington are staying to the Pac-12, and all of a sudden, data conference that seems like it was on life support actually seems like now it might be able to survive the night in a way that I could have predicted. And so it's way too confusing at this point. I don't know about you. I'm just sitting here well, going, wake me up at some point and tell me after this meeting, which it sounds like we should know, is the Pac-12 going to live or is the Pac-12 going to die? So right now we know it's the Pac-9. And, and we should just, I was talking to your mother yesterday, and she's the one who said it. They, they should just be the Pac conference, right? Because we have no idea how many teams are going to be in it. Hell, the Big Ten, when's the last time they had 10 teams in it? You know, so just call the Pac the Pac. Right, we have the ACC, the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big Twelve, and the Pac. You know, because we have no idea what the numbers are going to be, even though the other ones, the numbers could be off as well. So basically, we're waiting to hear what this deal is going to be. Right, the streaming TV deal uh, with Apple. There seems to be like there's going to be more clarity on that because everybody knows well, right now. Go ahead. 
Well, we're waiting to see this morning if they signed the grant of rights for that deal. So it sounds like they've heard all the things and now it's put up or shut up time this morning. Right. And, and I have a feeling it's going to be, all right, shut up, we're leaving. I, I, I know it's a big move, but these teams are going to start to do what's best for them. Uh, just like USC did, just like UCLA did. Now, listen, I know there's more into the hopper, including the political side of this as well, which we sure as hell aren't going to get into. But there is the money for travel. There are the expenses. You know, that all adds up. There is what we heard that Washington would get less a cut of other teams in the Big Ten, to which I'm sure they're like, well, wait a minute. And Oregon may be saying, well, we don't want to fall in that category. But it's all, we know, based on the money. We know it's going to be a big check for each team in the Big Ten and the SEC. I think in the Big Ten, uh, Big 12 and the ACC, it's like 30 or $31 million. So I, I, I think we're just waiting to hear in totality what the deal for the Pac-12 would be. At the end of the day, do they want to leave the Pac-12? I'm sure nobody wants to leave the Pac-12. I'm sure they would like to stay there, but already USC and UCLA have, have looked, gave it some foresight and said, this is going to be a better move, at least we believe, it's going to be a better move for us down the road. Remember, nobody's making these moves for next year or the year after. This is for years down the road, hopefully for these teams, decades down the road, of how they're going to be and and where the landscape going to be. Is it going to be 20 teams in the Big Ten and then the Big 20 or 20 teams in the SEC, these Super 2 conferences that we're talking about? So I, I do think, and I think it's right for the Pac-12 teams to kind of give the Pac-12 every chance to come up with a deal that's palatable for them Though not to the point of losing your place in line to defect if you're going to defect, right? So it seems right now that Oregon and Washington are next in line for the Big Ten. Arizona next in line for the Big 12. And everything has been kind of put on hold until we see what the grant of rights is, what the money is going to be, if they can be, be any more clear on that because it's going to be around subscription subscriptions as well. So... I don't think it's over. I just think they are doing the right thing and kind of let's spell everything out before we make a move. Yeah, so Pete Thamel tweeted uh, earlier this morning before the meeting that sources say the Pac-12 president's meeting at the top of the hour. There's optimism that the league's grant of rights would be signed. This would include the linchpin Oregon heading into the meeting. The school is trending towards not going to the Big Ten. They're expected to say, barring 11th hour change, that could add the leverage to keep Arizona in the Pac-12 as well. And so we'll wait and see what happens with that, Dad. I did want to say, because in the bit of like on-field stuff, as it's usually August, which means we're usually talking about on-field football right, when it comes right. to college and NFL at this point, I did want to take a look at one thing that popped up yesterday quick, and that was from our friend uh, Bill Connolly at ESPN every year since 2019 has put out his What Ifs article for college football, the on-field version, where he looks at what the biggest contenders are. So statistically, betting-wise, the teams that are actually have a shot at winning a championship, what would have to go right for them to make it to the college football playoff and actually win a championship? This includes teams like Georgia, Alabama, USC, Notre Dame, Michigan, LSU, Tennessee, all in all down the list. It's a great article. Bill does an awesome job with it. Everyone should check it out here. But, Dad, in looking through that, I wanted to look and try and see if we could find one, maybe two, that we thought had the biggest chance to impact the overall landscape of the sport this fall. Because I feel like we've been so focused on the existential stuff, we've kind of neglected what could happen this fall. And there's some options on here. I'd be curious for you, Dad, because I look at this and I say, obviously, the easy place, I think, for most people to start would be Georgia. You know, different coordinator, different quarterback, all this change from a team that's won back-to-back -back titles, the first to do so since Alabama. But I just think that train is too far out of the station. Like, Georgia's at a point right now where the machine is so built to withstand change that I'm not really going to count on them knocking them out of a meaningful place, plus their schedule's too easy. I really think that, Dad, this might be a contest between the what-ifs surrounding Ohio State's quarterback battle and what goes on there if Kyle McCord can be ready to go if they feel like he's got the juice to actually be the guy. And then if this USC defense 
can show up at all this year as they're getting ready for their final year in the conference and their final year with Caleb Williams as their quarterback. I know that Lincoln Riley can replace them and groom quarterbacks that win Heisman's with the best of them, but for this current iteration of USC's team, it does feel like that one and the ripple effects of if USC's defense shows up, that's a team that can win a national championship. And if it doesn't, then now all of a sudden the door could potentially be opened for any number of Pac-12 teams like Washington, Oregon, Utah that do seem to have a legitimate chance to be teams that are playoff worthy this year. Listen, I, I'm in complete agreement about the USC defense. Uh, their defense was just bad. Uh, and Caleb Williams pulled them out of a lot of fires. But to me, when have we had quarterback decisions at Georgia, Bama, and Ohio State all in the same year, right? It's usually been a starter, and when they were gone, the next guy stepped into line. Now, it seems Georgia's probably the most set with Beck, even though they have other quarterbacks in that quarterback room as well. Bama, we've been talking about three quarterbacks for a while, including the transfer from Notre Dame and Tyler Buckner, to the point where basically Nick Saban is saying, stop asking me about the quarterback position. In Ohio State, you have McCord or you have Brown. So, it's it's the quarterback position has kind of been in flux though in Georgia they they certainly I I, I agree have have worked around it pretty well, um, but that to me has been an interesting question of those quarterback situations. Now, while the quarterback is the most important position on the field, I think it's more important even in the NFL than it is in college. You have other ways you can work around it. Alabama, Mike, the O line, which is. Kind of surprising to me. Alabama's O-line has always been one of the best in the country. They were not good last year, and they lost three starters. So that's another one where you got three different quarterbacks that, that are vying for the starting job, and you have an O-line that's kind of rebuilt coming off a bad year. So for one of the teams that is always in the mix, that to me is going to be a very, very interesting factor in all this. Yeah, and the interesting part in trying to figure out, like, again, I'm looking for what's going to affect the broadest swath of the sport. And for Alabama, it's interesting because last year you already had LSU representing from the SEC West, right? It's not like Brian Kelly's LSU needs a huge bit of the door being popped open for them to be able to crash through with this current iteration. I mean, they had the reigning Heisman Trophy winner on that team last year, but maybe that does speak to dad. Alabama, if those kind of cracks stay in the foundation this year, if the O-line can't get fixed in the quarterback situation for the first time since really, I mean, what, Tua got on campus there? I mean, I guess Jay, I mean, you had Jalen Hurts there before. So in right, this right. modern era where quarterback's been an in vogue position in Alabama, it would be the first time they've had to deviate in a while since then. And would that signal enough of a decline where people would start to look at Alabama and go, all right, is the clock ticking on the Nick Saban era there? Is this where we can start to see the exit of what's been the dominant force of college football in my lifetime? Yeah, no, listen, I, I, I agree with you. Um, and, and and those that are that have been saying, you know, does this hurt Saban's legacy? Just stop it. It's like same thing with Belichick and his legacy because he hasn't, you know, made the playoffs or, or what Tom did going to Tampa. I, I, I can't stand that. They're two of the greatest coaches of all time. Um, but that that's the thing. It's like the Tiger Woods thing. Do we love seeing that dynasty like we were seeing the Alabama dynasty? Or do we like seeing it opened up to even more than Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson? Do we want to see it opened up more to the fact there could be 15 to 17 teams that could win the title? I don't believe there are that many, quite honestly. But is that something that we want? Another great question to me, Mike, is, you know, who always is the most popular quarterback uh, in the in the room or in this in the stadium, it's the backup, right? And one of the biggest names is a backup in Texas. So that's another thing. I don't think Texas is going to be in the fray for the title, but with Quinn Ewers, who won the job over Arch Manning and Malik Murphy had a really good spring as well. How long does he hang on to the job if he struggles a little? You know if he struggles a little bit, that call is going to be coming out loud for Arch. Let the Arch Manning era begin. And again, I haven't been at those practices. I haven't seen him. But you know he's kind of the next guy, even though, as I mentioned, Murphy had a really good spring. But that's another thing to keep an eye on. A guy like Quinn Ewers, who signed one of these big NIL deals at Ohio State, left Ohio State. I thought threw the ball well at Texas when I first saw him, but how long can he, if he can the entire year, hold on to that starting job? 
Yeah, Texas is a team that talent-wise should win the Big 12 this year. Like, I know Texas Tech is going to be a team a lot of people are talking about this year. Can Oklahoma have a resurgent year? You've got the defending champs in Kansas State. But Texas, I mean, they had the dudes last year, and the quarterback situation's got to get better. Quietly a big year for Sark, too, heading into the SEC. As Bill pointed out, in close games, Steve Sarkeesian has lost 11 of his last 15 one-score games as a head coach. We know in Texas the meter is going to get turned up on that pretty quickly. So that's a huge one, too, because the implications there as they get ready to make a big move, kind of like USC, where, all right, you're getting ready to go a little bit step up in weight class of consistent competition in a pond where the bigger dogs have been eaten for a while. So, again, check out Bill's article. Great stuff there. We were very excited for college football. Try and wash down a little bit of the taste of all the conference realignment with some of the actual on-field stuff we'll get more into in the coming weeks. But, Dad, speaking of the taste, let's get to this. Because college football every year comes about, which means I'm doing a food tour across the country, usually trying to find whatever's special to a local small town. But sometimes you got to go above and beyond that. Sometimes you don't have a lot of choices and fast food comes calling. Matt Yeoman over at VSIN put out his top 50 power rankings for 2023 fast food restaurants across the nation. We didn't have time to do 50, but we wanted to do five, Dad, because his top five was a little interesting to me here. Number one, he had Culver's which yeah. as people that went to college in Indiana, we can appreciate. He went one Culver's, two Portillo's, three Chick-fil-A, four Freddy's Steak Burgers, and five In-N-Out Burgers. So, Dad, I want to give you the floor to start off with here for your top five after what we got from Matt Yeoman here to see if we agree anywhere with him. All right, number five, I'm going Sourdough World, which is a, it's a sub-sandwich shop in Scottsdale, which we really... You, me, your mother, your sister Sydney, and Ben, her husband, uh, we love it. I mean, it, it's jumped on us and just incredible. I know a lot of people may not know about it, but it is awesome. It's it's one of the best sub-sandwich places I've ever been to. Four Portillo's, the greatest shake of all time with pieces of cake in it. I don't know how they do it, but it's the greatest of all time. Three is Five Guys. Love Five Guys. Love all the fries that they give you. Such a bonus. Two, In-N-Out. I know you and I disagree about In-N-Out Burger. I love In-N-Out. Number one, Cane's. I'm a monster fan of Cane's. The sauce, the Texas toast, all the different ways of chicken, uh, to get chicken there. I am a monster, monster Cane's fan. So there you go. Sourdough World, Portillo's, Five Guys, In-N-Out, and Cane's. Okay, well, yeah, we're going to have a major disagreement. Brandon, go ahead and put my top five up here. Number five, I went with McDonald's, tried and true, something you can count on wherever you're at, no matter where you're at in the world. It's got variety. It's got you know the McFlurry. It's got the nuggets. It's got burgers. It's got everything you need. Number four, I put Chick-fil-A, respect to the nuggets, respect to the, uh, respect to the sandwich, respect to the service that you're used to there. I went five guys at three. Wendy's at two, Taco Bell at one. Taco Bell is yeah. my beacon in the night. I love it more than life itself. But, Dad, I can't believe In-N-Out at number two. I have maintained In-N-Out's a very good burger, especially at the price, but it's about 75% hype over there that's gotten people through it. Seeing long lines in the drive through for some reason makes people believe. I will say Wendy's has a comparable, bur- comparable burger at the price range. I don't mean I, that I- like... No, no, I'm with you. Listen, I like a Wendy's burger. I grew up on a Wendy's triple and a Frosty. I dig it. But I like, I just, in and out, I dig it. I like animal style with that and the fries. You know, when I see the long line, your mother and I just park and go inside where there's less of a line. Uh, so you don't have to wait. I, I know you and I have disagreed about in and out burger, but I, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. All Very simple, very simple menu, right? You know, very easy to pick from. You're not paging through everything. I love it. You said Smashburger received votes. Matt Usman had them at 23. He had five guys at 33 on his list of the top 50. He had Taco Bell at 38 and Cookout at 40. Guys, he he, he had Raising Cane's at 11. So he, he kind of likes uh, T- Gullick Sr.'s list over everyone's. Taco Bell that late in the game is slanderous in a way that I refuse to tolerate. That place is elite. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. 
Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. In a shocking upset news-wise, apparently my mom and dad have enjoyed a late-life career revival for Taco Bell in their diet. I, I wasn't aware of this before, and Dad, I couldn't be more proud of you. I mean, Taco Bell is what my friends and I have subsisted on late night for years. Myself, Kyle Rudolph, my buddy Dane at the Super Bowl in Miami famously left the NFLPA party to go have a sit-down dinner in Taco Bell in South Beach, so I'm proud of you guys. So, I mean, saying sit-down dinner in Taco Bell is, is kind of weird to say, but I get it. And, it and you guys, your love for Taco Bell is probably what prompted us to give it a shot a couple of weeks ago. And I went with the, is it the Crunchy Gordita Supreme the or whatever? Supreme. Yeah, I mean, phenomenal. And so we stopped there and we loved it. And we've we've been there a few times now over the last couple of weeks, more than we've been in years. And I do think it's because you guys have been talking about it. Now, it certainly can affect your insides a little bit when you don't eat it for a little while. <laughs> but uh, it, it is really, really good. So it wasn't going to make my top five. I haven't, I haven't been around it or eaten it enough. It's never really been in the rotation, so I stick by my top five. But as of late, we have, we have made a bit of a switch to Taco Bell, and uh, we've been ringing the bell. See, listen, it's it's never too late, friends, to find yeah. the saving light yeah. of fourth meal in your life to get that <laughs> grilled stuff beef burrito, the crunch, crunch wrap supreme, the I mean Doritos Locos tacos mixed in there, bringing back the Mexican pizza, and of course the tr- the piece de resistance, the Mountain Dew Baja Blast. I mean, oh, yes. I could go on for days. It's beautiful, <laughs> but instead of telling you guys so much about Taco Bell. I do need to remind you guys about our friends at Knock Around Sunglasses that also would pair very well with the Taco Bell walking in there depending on what state you're in. They're the go-to polarized shades for just $28 starting there. You can get the first of their nine-team Major League Baseball collection there. You can get their U.S. Women's National Team soccer sunglasses so you're ready for match day as we got to fight for our lives now. Don't be the one squinting into the sun or trying not to get sand in your overpriced shades. Head to knockaround.com. Look great. Feel even better in high-quality polarized shades that start at just $28. And, Dad, maybe if you're wearing knockaround, this can be your future here. Diana Taurasi became the first player in WNBA history to score 10,000 career points in their game in a 91-71 victory over the Atlanta Dream. So while we got to celebrate one of her former UConn teammates in Sue Bird last year, Diana Taurasi out here still balling something fierce. Yeah, all-time leading score by more than 2,500 points in her career. It's so wild. She first met Gino Ariema at the U18 Junior World Championships qualifying tournament in Argentina. She was playing for the compete with the United States and he was the coach. That's before she even went to, to UConn. Then had the incredible career there and then an incredible WNBA career. Just been amazing what she has done. So tip of the cap to Diana Taurasi. Yeah, uh, an incredible performance there. Um, one that's, again, not surprising given that history you just mentioned and what we've seen from her down in and down out since she's been in the W. Dad, let's get to that. Uh, this one, uh, a weirder training camp headline than I've seen in quite a while. Tennessee Titans right tackle Jamarco Jones was cut after his second altercation inside a week at training camp practice. Now, for anyone that forgets, Right now, they're dealing with a suspension of their starting right right tackle at the beginning of this season. And so, Nicholas Petit-Friere, the former tackle out of Ohio State. So, Jamarco Jones had started camp getting first-team reps, but caught in a fight after a crackback lock on a linebacker during practice and then got in a fight pushing and shoving with Jeffrey Simmons, their star D lineman, and was finally shown the door. Dad, have you ever seen this? Usually, I mean, God, every veteran offensive lineman I talked to who had been a back-end-of-the-roster guy had told me, if you want to make the team, start fights. Show them you're willing to go in there. Most coaches say they don't like it, but they don't really mean it. And so going in there and shoving guys after the play is usually an easy way to get noticed. Apparently, like everything, there's a line with that. Yeah, listen, I, I my father told me and my brothers that. I told you and Jake that that don't ever be afraid to mix it up, find somebody to mix it up with, especially if you're going to a new team or just starting with a team. That was kind of the accepted way, but coaches don't want to see it anymore, especially with punches thrown because you can get hurt. But this was surprising. As you mentioned, a guy that was getting starting reps 
got kicked out of practice twice. Actually, he and Simmons both got kicked out of practice for their altercation. And then um, uh, Vrabel had said that the block he threw on the linebacker that led to the next fight would have been a, a penalty in the fight. So he said, we can't condone blocks that are going to be penalties. We can't condone things that are happening in fights where you can actually get a penalty or thrown out of the game. It's going to hurt the team. But listen, let, let's be honest. If this was a guy who was counting on to be a starter for this team, this wouldn't happen, right? I, I think it's pretty fair to say there's a hierarchy, uh, kind of like the old Jimmy Johnson, you know, uh, when when Troy Aikman's there, if the backup quarterback falls asleep, you can get cut, but Troy Aikman's not getting cut. So there is a hierarchy. And if this was someone they were going to be counting on through the year, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't have been cut. Uh, and this also sends a message, but it is definitely different, Mike, but a lot has changed in the game, and I'm not saying anything negative about it, so don't start jumping on me that, of how it's changed and how training camp has changed. But, man, it's hot. You're tired. Fights just happen. Now, when I was with Buddy Ryan in Philadelphia, they basically happened to every player or every other play, and it was encouraged, quite honestly. So that quite a, kind, of, kind of fit into my game, in all honesty. Uh, but it is different now. I mean, even toward the end of my career, when I went to Miami and there were four of us Eagles that signed as free agents in Miami, we were used to the fighting thing. We, we almost got fined by Don Shula for fighting in camp, let alone when we were with Buddy Ryan where fighting was encouraged. So different coaches feel about it in, in different ways. This was a player that seemed like he was going to be expendable, and Mike Vrabel was kind of sending a message that said, we're not going to deal with this garbage. And now next up is veteran offensive lineman Chris Hubbard, who, fun fact that no one would be yes. but me would know, came out of UAB in 2013 and was the guy that the Steelers kept over me on the practice squad that year. Has turned in a nice career, really made a living for himself. Very proud of Chris and what he yep. has put on there. Dad, let's get to the third. This was a wild story. So yes. a Somali runner finished dead last in a 100-meter race over this past week. As the rest of the field crossed the line, Nasra Ali Akbar of Somalia, at one point completely out of the frame, was nearly 10 seconds behind any of the finishers in this race. On social media, users alleged that uh, she was the niece of the Somali athletics official. Somalia's Ministry of Youth and Sports suspended its chairwoman, alleging that the preliminary after preliminary investigation that she was selected to uh, race as the result of nepotism. Dad, this is a, as I think as close as we're going to get to the dream that so many of us have had of in Olympic events putting a regular person in the event so that we can see how actually impressive the athletes that are competing in this race are. Well, wasn't there that show, what was it called, Average Joes, Pros Against Joes? Pros versus like Joes, that? yeah. Pros versus Joes. This is kind of this, right? There's the pros, you know, the elite runners against a Joe, or in this case, a Jane, you know, running against them, seeing just how out of place that you could be. This was somewhat obviously embarrassing for those that may have seen it. I mean, she knew she didn't stand a chance. She's no background as a, in elite athletics, has no entry in the World Athletics Database. This was this was completely a ridiculous thing. But to your point in, in, in extrapolating things from it, I'd like to see that show come back again just to see the difference of because remember all those things that were coming out could a guy have 10 carries for five yards in an NFL game oh yeah could, a, could an average Joe complete one downfield pass in a game and you know there's plenty of the Joes out there hell yeah I could do that that's easy to do you know when when if you actually had to do it how different it would be so it kind of makes me want to bring that show back again. Uh, from your lips to God's ears, we have gotten so many reboots over the years. I saw a year ago the CW had rebooted Legends of the Hidden Temple, so we'll all form a prayer circle heading into this weekend that somebody <laughs> has got the foresight to bring back pros versus Joes. Hell, Slam Ball's making a comeback. We can yes. do this. We hope this podcast makes a comeback next week. If we get there, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us a five-star rating, check us out on DraftKings YouTube. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Boom. Money in the bank.